Good evening, everyone. Nice to see all your faces. We'll wait to say a group hello at the end of the sitting this evening. So in the meantime, since you are here in a timely way, let's just practice together. I have a great opportunity now to luxuriate in what is always already here, which is you. That in you, which is aware. So just rejoice in that fact of being aware right now. Just notice how just a moment of being aware begins a process or maybe continues a process of settling the mind, waves, settling the body. Not because you did anything in particular, but you attuned to the quiet, aware presence that you are already. Not what you imagine yourself to be, not what you were, not what you will be, but just what you are right now, free of, for a moment anyway, of the historical version of yourself. You're aware, you're here. So let the calming effect of being aware wash over your calcified, tense minds and bodies. Just notice how everything starts to melt, dissolve into the openness of your practice. And notice how just a few minutes or moments of being aware, and it's so clear that the past is just an idea, it's gone. The future, another idea, just in the, in the realm of dreams. There's just this reality of being aware, present, made possible What makes it possible to appreciate this aware presence is this physical body with its senses. So bring this awareness together with your physical body. And slowly Sensing not so much the idea of the body, but the felt sense. The sense of aliveness, vibration, the sense of form or shape, 
quality of relaxation or tension. The experience of the elements of nature, heaviness or hardness, sense of cohesion, this is the water element, the temperature, the fire element, the vibration, the wind or air, the air element. Just feeling this experience of nature not doing anything with this field of sensations, just knowing this is the sitting body. And then just knowing without any kind of manipulation, knowing that it's breathing. And the way that we know that it's breathing is we feel the sensations in our body created by the breath. The sense of stretching or expanding, the sense of contracting, the sense of brushing as the air passes our nostrils or upper lip. Just wherever that feeling of the breath in the body is most clear, we connect with that. We simply enjoy intimately the body's experience of its own in-breath, its own out-breath. We enjoy the enlivening of the in-breath and the letting go of the out-breath. Just enjoying this, this exchange, just like sitting by the edge of the sea, enjoying the waves coming in and going out. Making no effort to alter the breath, just as we would make no effort to alter the waves. Breath by breath, we gather our attention here. We sustain our attention here as long as it lasts. We harmonize our mind and body by bringing our attention close to this physical experience. We let everything settle, still, finding a calm abiding. Letting go of whatever's not here. Then when other experiences, other sensations rise into our awareness, we graciously receive them. Sounds, sensations, moods, thoughts. We clearly comprehend what is the presently arising experience. We let it come and go as it will. Everything is changing. We simply rest in that ever-present wakefulness, clarity, 
being aware. Just this moment. Just this body, just this breath, just this awareness. Nothing to do or undo, nothing to fix, nothing missing. Just being aware, complete. Settling back into the moment. Receiving life within this sky-like openness, this transparent awareness, just this moment.
when you realize you've been daydreaming, fantasizing, replaying, scheming. This is a sign of mindfulness, re-arising. Take delight in the fact that you're now knowing what the mind was doing. And use this opportunity of awakening to where you are. Use it as an opportunity to sense again ever-present wakefulness and clarity, ever-available. Just let your body and mind bathe in this kind and interested and relaxed attention that you are. This being aware is the ultimate fact of your existence. Be aware.
when you hear the sound of the gong in a moment or so, just be aware of hearing. Notice how the sound arises and fades. When it fades and you feel the impulse to open the eyes, be aware of that experience of opening the eyes. Noticing the arising of outer sight of seeing. Notice the impulse to make any other movements. And then be mindful of any other movements that you make so that practice continues. No break in the continuity of awareness. It's not a doing, just a state of being aware. Everything noticed, everything equal. Well, good evening again. Really nice to sit with all of you. I'd like to invite everyone to say hello to each other. Feel free to unmute. This is our opportunity to, to sense the sound, the feeling of being together. A little bit more challenging online, but you have this. So hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Hi. 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 Hello. Hi. 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 Well, I, I felt so uh, pulled into the sitting tonight, other than those strange sounds that kept creeping out of <laughs> the speakers. Uh, but it's so absorbed that uh, I didn't, um, I didn't choreograph in my mind how I wanted this evening to unfold. But now that I see you, I am curious about what what was happening with you during the sitting? If there's anything in particular that you noticed, anything that you would like to ask about, uh, any topic that came up, emerged as, as something you wanted me to speak about. And we can, we can do this uh, by just raising, going to the reactions, 
thing and using the hand raise. There, there's a raised hand function under reactions. And feel free to ask any question or comment, description, and whatever it is that you may want to speak about may be of some use or benefit for someone else. So love to love to hear. Margot, please, thank you for breaking the ice. Okay. I, um, I was in a four-day retreat this weekend, and I, it was the first time I'd ever been in such a lengthy retreat, and I'm not used to meditating so many hours in one day. And I'm wondering, my question is, I was not really able to fall into a meditation tonight. Is it, uh, what should you do when that happens? Should you just sit sit quietly and try to be aware of what you can and and just sit even though you're not quite able to get into a deep relaxation yes uh, thank you so much for the question i'm proud of you for doing a four-day retreat if you hadn't done it before that's very wonderful but i would i will just say that a deep meditation is that a deep meditation is an overrated experience. <laughs> it is a it, it is a hindrance. Uh, it once we set up what we like, which is a deep meditation, versus what we don't like. This the third Zen patriarch said is the disease of the mind. It puts us in a state of dissatisfaction, makes us associate our happiness with what comes next, which is the deep meditation. And if it doesn't come, you're unhappy. That's not happiness. That was not the happiness that the Buddha wanted us to realize. He wanted us to realize the happiness that comes from a mind that's free and independent. Well, well, no matter what it is that's going on. So what you when you said, what should I do? Just be aware of what is present. That's it. That's it. And let the deep meditation experiences be the byproduct of a mind that's just open to whatever's there. The, the fruit of that kind of experience is you, the, of that kind of attitude of openness to everything, the fruit of that will likely be more what you call deep meditation experiences. Thank you. That's, did that speak to your question? Yes, it does. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. One of the, the Buddha did speak about this matter, by the way. And he, he called those deeper, more, more settled meditation experiences. He called them the springboard to nirvana. But he also called them the corruptions of insight. If you start looking for them, if you start chasing after them. Mm -hmm. but if they come, let yourself be inspired by them, encouraged to keep your practice going, but don't cling to them at all. I just be grateful for when they happen. The one other thing I was going to mention is that uh, Joseph Goldstein was talking about being selfless. And while I was meditating just now, I was trying to imagine what it would be like to, with that space that the self inhabits 
if if that were to be removed, what would be there in that space to replace it? And I thought about, well, soul, would my soul be there? But then I realized Buddha didn't say hardly anything at all about the soul. So I... Uh, I'm learning. This is where I am right now in, in my Beautiful. I, I love your innocence. I love your curiosity. And that is the mind that's selfless. It's a mind that's open. Oh, I don't know. And then what comes is selfless. Thoughts come all by themselves. No thinker. Feelings come all by themselves. No feeler. And so that just bearing witness to or being aware of the flow of experience, you see selflessness over and over again. So enjoy that. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else, please? Let's see if I... Is that you, Noemi? Do you have your hand up? You have to unmute, please. Hi. Thank you. Hi, Hi Noemi. Hi, Howie. Good to see you larger on my screen now. I am. Um, I had a really difficult sitting. Um, and I was dealing with a lot of hatred. And I tried to do meta, and it wasn't working. Everything I did felt, felt forced. And I don't know how to like, uh, when I, you I don't know how to deal with the, with the diversion and hatred. So when you, when you did meta, did you do what were you what were you doing meta to? I was doing it for the person. Uh huh. See, I it's thank you for clarifying because in general, the way meta develops, the way it works, for the most part, and again, I'm not sharing anything absolute, but what I've learned and what I've learned from my teachers is that metta is a, a quality of the heart that, that you can't, that isn't just a, something that you use to, to make you feel better. It's just a, it's a quality of openness. And typically if you're training in it, you don't, you just let that openness develop where it develops easiest first. And so you start with yourself you start with someone you really easily love. And when it's built up, then you bring in the difficult person. You don't bring in the difficult person uh, when you're in the middle of an intense um, ill will with them. Yeah. Okay. In general. So you, you shift your attention to something else, okay. preferably your own troubled heart. And it should turn, it, it ideally turn into self-compassion at that time. Yeah. Just self-soothing and get your attention off of that person. Uh, yeah. So it's, there's a longer conversation about yeah. somebody who you're angry at. It, it's, 
they usually can't do they they usually can't do much about what they did or didn't do said or didn't say and they're you know there's, there's a whole well the anger is I know the anger part of it is for the anger not to be there and I I mean that person is irrelevant. Okay. But what what I'm thinking of is how to address the anger and selflessness. I mean, and and that the anger is not in not me. You know. It's not the anger is not what me. It not, it not hurts. I mean, anger is anger, right? Right, anger and, is anger. And usually we're angry, yeah. And, and usually we're so angry. How do you not get uh, caught up with, oh, with my anger when it did? It's just anger. Just uh, the dealing with no self. No, the no self in anger. I'll, I'll try to unravel what you just said, but. <laughs> okay, sorry. No, no problem, no problem. So you've probably heard me talk about before that the Buddhist teaching on anger is that there's two main reasons that anger arises. And it arises often from frustrated desire some desire that's not being fulfilled or wounded pride, some kind of helplessness or vulnerability or something that, that gets defended by anger. So if you were to look at those, the sequence of, 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 a des, of desire in the mind, desire is not, is not self, it's desire. But when desire is not fulfilled, there is a, there's, frust, there's a frustrated desire and then Defending against that kind of frustration, there tends to be angry, anger. And when there's identity with, with um, some, something that you want and it's not happening, there's wounded pride. There, you're, the sense of, of being able to be in control, all that gets wounded. So none of that is self. It's just a set of conditions that tend to lead to anger. So you can keep it out of the whole world of identity. It's just, it's just conditions. And and that's that's what I was struggling with. It how to not get caught up in identity. I I mean it's and I I like I like what you said about how anger arises. The two ways. That the, the two main, the two main ways, but sometimes just it's there and it comes and and there's yeah. a really strong story about it and there's you know until there's some kind of noticing oh this is anger or this is I really an identification with a particular thing that I think the world should be until we actually step out of it a little bit and and notice it's hard to do much about it. That that what I keep wanting to step out, but I'm not. Yeah, so when we're not able when we're not able to step out, then it, we really do need to, if we can, turn to self care and self compassion and kind of bear the unbearable. Thank you. Just, just let our heart break.
Thank you. Thank you. One more person. Feel free if you are so inclined. Is there someone waving their hand? Me, I, I can't, I'm trying to remember how to make Mary, the hand you're, come you're up. Good. I, reckon, <laughs> I, I can see you, Mary, so please feel free. Okay. Uh, well, oh, you know, Santa Barbara, I can't <laughs> But you remember me, right? I thought about you and I wondered how you were getting along. I'm great. Uh, everything is status quo, except we got another grandbaby coming on the way too. So glad to hear that's very exciting. Uh, you know, I kind of had the opposite experience tonight, which was a nice surprise of a very, really nice, deep, relaxed meditation. I think I've lost your picture. Uh, I had been um, at the farmer's market, which was a lot of hustle and bustle and crowds. And uh, so I made a quick stop to just sit at the ocean for a few minutes before I came home. And uh, then I had all this tourist traffic. <laughs> it's the season. And I made it home and um, they're doing construction on my stairs and I had to go all the way around and go up a different stairway. So I was a few minutes late. So it had been all this rush. No. And, and come on, then I'm 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 just... Hello? Sorry, somebody was unmuted, okay. so... Oh, okay. Go ahead, Mary, please. And then I got here and I saw your smiling, beautiful face close to me. And I just settled down and a surprisingly had a wonderful, deep, relaxing meditation. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was very lovely. Pleasure. It was very nice surprise. Such a reminder. So nice to see you. Same to you. Such a reminder. We never know what will happen. Right. <laughs> so the, I always think of Yogi Berra says, it's not what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what <laughs> you know for sure that just ain't so. You know, we're, you'd be, we would be sure that, that our mind would be agitated and our, we'd be tense. And, but in this case, that you were obviously open to it going any, any way and you just settled right in. So beautiful. I guess I needed it. <laughs> But I just want to say we miss you here in Santa Barbara. I hope, uh, you know, things will it's, be. It's very nice to see your face. Same to you. Thank same you. Be well. You too. So maybe we should take a, a couple moments of just... feeling the effects of either the conversation or uh, just move your body a little bit, just refresh your posture a little bit. And maybe actually, actually 
Howie, you're not giving any announcements or you are tonight. Do you have some? Uh, I have no announcements. I could talk about um, uh, Donna, uh, at least my take on it, if you like. Yeah, we could do a little Donna pause for a moment and, and people are willing to listen and stay with us. Please feel free, Howie. I'd love to hear what's on your okay. mind. Well, I first this, uh, I put in the chat box uh, some a link to um, uh, different ways that people can uh, do Donna. Uh, I just want to say personally that um, for me, uh, you know, we just had this billionaire go and go up in space and he traveled through space and spent a lot of energy and money and ego to do that. And I just think that if we do Donna, we can actually travel through time. We can preserve the teachings for the future. And I think it's a, uh, it's an enviable thing. I think it's a, uh, it brings me great joy to do it myself. And sometimes I do it as a volunteer and sometimes I can actually, you know, put some money in. And uh, I think aside from the fact that it's a, you know, it's directly linked to doing the Dharma, um, it's just a great personal uh, joy for those uh, who can afford it. I find it to be a lovely part of, uh, of the experience. So I'm a little uh, short tongue because a little embarrassed, but um, that's what I, that's my feeling. Thank you so much, Howie. And thank you for the Donna of volunteering and being our co-host and just your beautiful presence. So thank you. And thanks in advance, everyone, for any generosity that may come to me and to Mission Dharma. It's interesting that you mentioned the space travel today, because I had been thinking about my own, what, what felt like space travel to me in the, as in the last weeks, I've been doing a little walk down memory lane, both here and in my mind, uh, but I remember the first three month meditation period that I did uh, back in 1979. Uh, my parents didn't exactly understand what I was up to. And my father did not sleep very well through the whole three month practice period. Now, just to give you a little advance, he got used to it. And I did many, many more of those long practice periods. But the first one, he didn't, he could not get what I was doing. He wasn't sure whether I had joined a cult or, you know, what, how, why anybody would spend three, three months in silence. But one thing that my parents could relate to, or my dad in particular, is I said that, aren't you uh, in some ways an adventurer? And he was, he loved to travel to new places and really stretch himself. Uh, he and my mother both. And I said, you know, you do the outer space travel, you know, through the spaces of this world. I do inner space travel. <laughs> I don't go anywhere, but I'm exploring a world that is unfathomable 
that has no limits, that is just so mysterious, so, um, so profound in a way that, uh, and it, it was interesting just putting it in terms of travel. <laughs> Uh, there was something, I thought, something in him relaxed. But but he also saw, just while I'm on this topic, he saw over the years that I became a little, at least in his view, not, not necessarily in everyone's view, but I became a little less full of myself. I became a little more kind. And uh, it seemed like I, I was, my mind was not, as complicated as it was. And he, he could compare to when I started this process. I, you know, one example that's also someone that keeps unmuting. Let's see. Example that's been coming up in my memory lately is my 29th birthday. My parents were very generously offered me a watch which was a very pretty watch, but I looked at the watch. I was very depressed at the time, kind of in an existential uh, angst. I looked at the watch and I felt nothing. And, uh, and I began to weep. <laughs> so, so I was really in a, in a complete mess. So they saw me go through these these difficult mental states. And then they saw how things kind of smoothed out a little bit as the years went on. So, so highly recommend the internal space travel as Howie was somehow recommending the and appreciating the richness of this. You know, cause all of us have aspirations to transcend our, our present experience because it feels hard to bear. I've noticed that my own nervous system has gotten very much um, activated by the, the continued proliferation of this virus, the, just the, all the, the animosity and all the polarization in the world, all the difficult thing, all the demands of everyday life. And there's, it's a real natural thing, as I was talking about last night, to start constructing a, a feeling that you just need to get through things. But all that just is a kind of craving that keeps us in a state of waiting till it gets better, which masks the, the, those, that inner journey, which that inner peace that comes not from waiting till things get old, get until we get through things, waiting till the world gets fixed, waiting till people uh, start seeing the beauty in each other. It, it, you can't wait for that. This is the Dharma of non-postponement, of the, the journey to here, the journey to now. As a teacher I was reading today, who I quoted from a couple weeks ago, Soko Morinaga, who wrote the book about the, the extent of my stupidity, that was the title. And he says the purpose of our meditation is not to increase knowledge, 
but to scrape the scales off the eyes, to pull the plugs out of the ears. It's really to open to what's, what's here already. And I noticed tonight my mind wanted to jump into problem solving, but I was taking my own medicine. I, I was following my own instructions and just, just dropping into the ultimate fact of my existence is I'm aware. And I invite you to do this right now. And in the sense of being aware, it's not even somebody being aware, it's just being aware. And so without the identity of somebody being aware, just having awareness here, then sensing what the quality of that awareness is. It's open, it has no limits. So it's vast in a way, it's limit, doesn't have any boundaries to it. It's quiet, awareness is quiet. Whatever touches that awareness seems to become a little quieter. Becomes a little less turbulent. And it doesn't seem to depend, doesn't seem to depend on a particular position, sitting, walking, standing, lying down, it's just aware. It follows you, follows me wherever I go, if I remember it. So I appreciated what Soko Morinaga said, the purpose of practice is not to increase knowledge, but to scrape the scales off the eyes. And so I started to think today about what are the scales on the eyes? What are the, what are the plugs in the ears? And the scales on the eyes are what I think of as kind of calcified views calcified beliefs. And I remember at times in my practice where, where my mind opened a little bit completely outside of the realm of formal practice. And I think I may have shared the story of being with this teacher named Punjaji who, who I went all the way to Asia to visit by some great good fortune And when he saw me, he looked at me, said, why have you come here? And this is a story of Cal being, having scales on my eyes. I said, I know, <laughs> that was the first mistake, but I know that the seeker and what I'm seeking, I know that the seeker and the sought are one.
So I know what I'm seeking is myself. But I've come halfway around the world to see you, so I must want something from you. And he looked at me and he got this grin on his face. And he said, remove the seeker and remove the sought. And at that moment, I went completely unconscious. And the next thing I knew, there was this laugh, this guttural laugh that woke me up. And the laugh was coming out of this mouth. And everything just kind of went silent. But it was so clear at that moment that the calcified sense of being somebody who's seeking had obscured this peace and this light and this love that, that I am and that you are. And this opening, this sense of experiencing life not through the lens of the calcified seeker or what was being sought was so ordinary, so natural. The very natural state of the same awareness through which each of us is perceiving. And so I agree with Soko Morinaga, the purpose of practice is not to increase knowledge. It's not to get somewhere, but it's to scrape the scales of the eye. It's to brush, as Nisargadatta Maharaj says, brush the dust of memory so that the clear mirror, the natural clarity of mind is laid bare. And the expression of that clarity is, is love. It's why the, the yogi becomes more kind. Of course, not without the conditioning of anger that comes, but even that is, is not personalized quite as much. This afternoon, I stumbled on some beautiful teachings from from Padma Sambhavos that considered the founder of the, the Nyingma tradition of Tibetan Buddhism. And uh, a king went to the visit Padma Sambhava and asked him the question, what does it mean to gain certainty? And Padmasambhava said this, gain certainty in the fact that since the very beginning, your own mind is the awakened state of Buddhahood. Gain certainty in the fact that all phenomena are the magical display of your mind. Can you feel in this the shift of relationship to the dramas that play through our mind? We take it all so personally. It's all so, every internal drama seems so real, but from the perspective of awareness, it's just the magical display of our mind. 
how far do we have to travel? No rocket ship can take you to this experience. It's staying here and it's, what was it again? Scraping the scales off the eyes, pulling the plugs out of the ears. I'll just continue a little bit with Padma Sambhava. Gain certainty that the all phenomena are the magical display of your mind. Gain certainty in the fact that the, that fruition is present in yourself and is not to be sought elsewhere. Gain certainty in the fact that your that your master is the is the Buddha, that that example of awakening or that awakening within your own mind. Gain certainty in the fact that the nature of of meditation is the realization of all the Buddhas. He says, to gain such confidence, you must practice. The irony in this, and that's the last thing I want to say, the irony in this is this talks about certainty. It talks about confidence in the, in the, freedom in the view and being aware and the power of it in the, in, the, in the sense of home that comes from it. It's about certainty. But only those who give up certainty tend to realize this. Only those who admit, I don't know. I don't know. Who, who let their let ourselves be in the unknowing, just open, not having it all figured out and not trying to figure it out. Just keep brushing the dust of memory. Just keep available. Keep, as the, as the Korean Zen tradition says, keep don't know mind. It says, who are you, the Zen master? Sansanim, somebody I got had the fortune of sitting with, says, who are you? You think you know, you don't know. Keep don't know mind. Keep don't know mind. And then the Zen tradition, also in the Japanese Zen tradition, said the, in the mind of the, of the beginner, there are many possibilities. In the mind of the expert, there are few. So keep beginner's mind. So it's this unknowing, it's this uncertainty. It's this, I don't, the great doubt is also often called. If this is the mind to which discovery can happen. So, so just experiment for a moment. And I've done, I've asked you to do this before. This is inspired by a teacher named Locke, Locke Kelly. But just sense what is here if there is no problem to solve? What is here if there is no problem to solve? If there's nothing to become, if there's nothing missing, 
What is here if there's no problem to solve? What happens when you just for a few moments suspend your frequent thoughts about yourself? What happens when you let the last thought of yourself cease and before the next one comes? What do you experience? When I've asked this question in groups in the past, often people will say quiet, peace, ease, contentment, freedom, no problem. But we did nothing we had, just as it said that the Buddha once said that he gained nothing from his realization. All he did was remove the calcified, or the, I forgot now, he removed the, the scales from his eyes. All we did was just for a moment suspend our usual thinking. What we find there often is peace, ease, uncreated. And one of my calcified views is, was until I met that teacher in India was the only way that you could, the only way that you could experience that kind of openness is if you developed, um, you had to sit and you had to walk, you had to do it a particular form, you had to follow, and you had to notice the breath this way, and you had to note your experience, all marvelous techniques, very beneficial, but that was a kind of scale of delusion to think that it had to be based on a form. It has much more to do with the desire to, to be free, the desire to know that that which is already whole in you. And if you have that yearning, if you have that desire, the one desire, no other desire, no desire to go to the moon or go into space could fulfill. But if you have that one desire, you can do all the wrong practices, sit with all the wrong teachers, can do all the wrong forms, and you would still find what you're looking for, because what are you looking for? You're looking for the very natural state of your own mind and to gain certainty in that you are the Buddha. been reading this a lot lately, but I'll end with this from Kalu Rinpoche. There is nothing to be gained, nothing to be found that is not there already. Truth is so simple. Buddhahood is so simple. 
so self-evident. Truth is here, even on this Zoom call. Truth is you. Supreme silence, shunatta, infinity is in you. You are the silence. You are the truth. You are Buddha. It's here in this very moment, so simple and unaffected, so near. Yet we make it so distant when it's so near, so remote when it's so immediate, so complicated when it's so simple. You are the Buddha. Why do you not feel it? Why don't you know it utterly through and through? Because there's a veil in the way, which is attached to appearances, such as the belief that you are not the Buddha, that you're a separate individual. If you cannot lift this veil at once, then it must be dissolved gradually. But if you've seen through it totally once, even one glimpse, then you can see through it all the time. Wherever you are, whatever presents itself, however things seem to be, simply refer to that ever-present, inherent spaciousness, openness, and clarity. So, I leave you again with what is here now if there is no problem to solve? Anyway, thanks for listening. Let, um, let our time together the blessing of our time together, the goodness of our time together, all the, the, the juiciness of our time together. Let it be offered as a blessing to all the suffering beings in this world of samsara, of endless wandering and searching and greed and hatred and ignorance in this world of pain. Let's just shower metta. Let let our whole lives be metta showers on this world. Metta being loving kindness for those who don't know. And may our practice every day be dedicated to the welfare and benefit of all. May all beings be liberated to know their true nature and have certainty about that. Enough of this waiting and postponing. Be free. No excuses. It's just mine. You are the Buddha. So thank you. Please feel free to say good, e good night to each other. Unmute. Pleasure to be with all of you as always. Night. Thank you, Howie. Thank you, Howie. Thank you, Howie. Wonderful to see you. Thank goodness. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.